0: Chapter 7 of The Little Colonel in Arizona. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. The Little Colonel in Arizona by Annie Fellows Johnston. Chapter 7 A Surprise. In order to understand the excitement that prevailed at the wigwam when it was announced that the little colonel was on her way toward it, one would first have to understand what an important part she had played in the wire household. To begin with, the place where she lived had always seemed a sort of enchanted land to the children. The old Kentucky home was their earliest cradle-song and their favorite nursery tales were about the people and places of Lloydsbury Valley, where their mother's happy girlhood had been passed. They might grow tired of Red Riding Hood and Cinderella, Aladdin, and even Ali Baba and the Forty Thieves might lose their charm. But no story failed to interest them that began, once upon a time, in Lloydsbury Valley. These reminiscences had passed from Joyce to Jack, and on down the line with the high chair and the cock-robin book and the red building blocks belonging to each in turn but claimed by all mary's tears holland's tempers and norman's tantrums had many a time disappeared as if by magic at those familiar words after joyce's return from the house party at locust the little colonel became the central figure of interest and all the glamour with which their childish imaginations had surrounded the place now gathered around her like a nimbus around a saint. To Mary, who had read The Princess Winsome until she knew it all by heart, Lloyd was something between an ideal princess who played on a golden harp and an ideal little schoolgirl who lived in a real palace and did exactly as she pleased she could talk of nothing else after the letter came and follow joyce and her mother with innumerable questions pausing often before the pictures of lloyd and tarbaby the boys interest in her coming was increased when they found that she was going to bring a rifle and that her father had promised to hire a horse for her as soon as they arrived phil who came so often to the wigwam now that he seemed almost one of the family caught so much of its enthusiasm over the coming guest that he planned picnics and excursions for every day of her visit he even had a voice in what he called the council of war in which it was decided to let the two older boys move their cots out of doors holland had been clamoring to sleep outside the tent ever since george lee told him that he had begun to do so and that was what made the cowboys so strong so the gaily decorated tent with its figures mystical and awful was made ready for lloyd and norman took joyce's place in his mother's tent she'll know that she's really out west when she once sets her eyes on those gods of the dakotas holland said to mary on their way to school one morning as long as we call this the wigwam i think we ought to be dressed up in war paint and feathers when she gets here i'll do it mary if you will i'll dare you to i'll double dare you usually a double dare never failed to have the desired effect upon mary she would attempt anything he suggested but it was too serious a matter to risk the first impression that such an appearance would make upon lloyd so she trudged on with a resolute shake of her little blonde braids and big blue bows no siree holland i am going to stay home from school that day and wear my very best white dress and my rosebud sash it's just as good as new if it is two years old and the little spots on it where I skirted orange-juice don't show it all when it's tied and joyce said that she's going to put your hands to soak overnight to see if she can't get them clean for once for if there's anything the little colonel abominates it's dirty hands and finger-nails and you've got to wear a necktie every day and go into phoenix and have your hair cut so there oh i have have i repeated holland mimicking her tone If joyce has all those plans in her head she can just get them out again. I'm not going to be a dude for any old girl in the country. I don't care if it is lloyd Sherman. And if she's so dreadful particular as all that, I'll do something to shock her every day till she gets used to it. Yes, I believe I'll come to the table the very first meal in a blanket with feathers in my hair. And if you dare tell anybody beforehand, "'I'll—I'll—well, I'll I'll get even with you in a way you won't like.' "'Oh, Holland, please don't—please don't disgrace us,' begged Mary, who always took his threats in earnest. "'It would be too dreadful. I'll give you something nice if you'll promise not to. "'What will you give me? What have I got that you want? Oh, I don't know. I'll have to think about it.' Holland had no intention of carrying out his threats but he kept Mary in a fever of anxiety all week saying one hour that he'd think about her offer and the next that she didn't have anything he cared for and that he preferred the fun of tormenting the girls to anything she could give joyce drew a star on the kitchen calendar over the date on which they expected lloyd to arrive a big five-pointed red star She rejoiced that it fell on a Wednesday, for by that time the washing and ironing would be out of the way. Her first experience in laundry work made her look ahead to the coming Mondays as weekly bugbears. But the second was not so hard as the first. True to his promise, Jack did all the rubbing and wringing, getting up at daybreak to start the fire under the big wash-boiler out in the yard this morning as he touched a match to the little pile of kindling and fanned the blaze with his hat the new pony grazing in the alfalfa field came up to the pasture bars with a whinny and put his head over the fence as if to watch him oh you think you'll boss this job do you mr washington said jack who in the short time he had had the pony had grown as fond of him as if he were a person and who talked to him as if he had human intelligence. Well, you ought to take an interest in the washing, since that's the way you got your name, and the reason you are here. Wait till I'll get this boiler filled, and I'll bring you a lump of sugar. Washington was a wiry little pony. He had a wicked light in his eyes, and was too free with his heels at times, but he had been raised as a household pet and stood like a kitten while jack rubbed his nose and fed him sugar take it easy while you can said jack if i have to work like a dog all morning on your account to earn half the dollars that you cost us i'll put you through your paces this afternoon to make up for it you'll think that you are the wild mazeppa by the time we get back oh you're such a nice old fellow nobody was near to see the impulsive way in which the boy threw his arms around the pony's neck and hugged him tight the feeling of possession made him happy as a king as he sat on the topmost bar braiding washington's shaggy forelock while the sun came up over the camelback and the morning chorus of bird calls swelled louder and sweeter over the awakening world the fire under the boiler was crackling merrily and the water was steaming when joyce came out of her tent and started toward the kitchen she stopped a moment by the pasture bars to reach through and give the pony a friendly stroke for she was almost as proud and fond of him as jack she had had several delightful rides on him once with jack for company on phil's new horse and twice with phil when they had raced for miles down the sandy road past olive orchards and orange groves, sweet with the coming of spring i'm going to clip his mane to-morrow said jack as he slipped down from his seat and followed joyce toward the kitchen he must look his best when lloyd comes we've done everything to that tune for a week laughed joyce when lloyd comes has grown to be a sort of refrain running through all our conversation. You notice now at breakfast, and see how often it will be used.' Holland was the first to repeat the well-worn phrase, as he took his seat at the table, and waited hungrily for his plate to be served. "'When Lloyd comes, you'll have some of those good little corn muffins for breakfast, won't you, Joyce? Kentucky people aren't used to cold bread.' joyce smiled at jack as the words they were waiting for were repeated and then almost mechanically used them herself in her answer we'll have them once in a while i suppose but we can't afford a very great change in our bill of fare we'll have a mighty skimpy dinner to-day for there's not much left over from sunday and we'll be too busy washing to stop to cook but i want to have a big baking before lloyd comes if I go in to meet her Wednesday in the ranch, Surrey, I'll have to do the extra cooking to-morrow afternoon, I suppose, after the ironing is out of the way. Mary cast an inquiring glance at the red star on the calendar. Only to-day and to-morrow, then I can stay home the day after that, when Lloyd comes, and wear my best white dress and my rosebud sash. "'Oh, that will be joyful,' chanted Holland, imitating her tone. "'I wish that I were able to help you more with the work,' said Mrs. Ware wistfully. "'Then you would have more time for preparation. Norman and I can manage the tent-work, I think, this morning. Then I'll go down to the seat under the willows and finish that Indian-head sofa-pillow. We must have that done before Lloyd comes.' seems to me that i can hardly wait said mary giving an impatient little wiggle that nearly upset her glass of milk i wish betty were coming too said joyce she would be making up stories from morning till night about the strange things out here but she wouldn't have much peace you children would never let her out of your sight like davy did at the cuckoo's nest said mary who knew betty's history almost as well as her own and loved dearly to talk about it betty's devotion to her godmother since she had gone to live at locust and her wonderful gift for writing verses and stories made her almost as interesting to mary as the little colonel herself as she moved about the house after breakfast doing the little duties that fell to her lot before school-time she chanted in a happy undertone all the play of the rescue of the princess winsome from beginning to end sir Phil, the faithful knight had been associated in her mind with phil since the day he rescued her from her fright when she was running away from the indian she was the princess and phil the gallant knight who she dreamed in her romantic little heart might some day send her messages by the morning glories and forget-me-nots as her feel had done of course not now but some day when she was grown and wore long lovely dresses and had a beautiful voice she had pictured herself many a time standing by a casement window with the dove clasped to her breast and singing the song flutter and fly flutter and fly bear him my heart of gold but now that the real princess was coming, she lost interest in her own little day-dreams, which were of such a far-away time, and so vague and shadowy, and began dreaming them for Lloyd. She wondered what Phil would think of her when they first met. She had already recited the entire play to him, and showed him the miniature, and as he studied the sweet face at the casement, bending over the dove he had hummed after mary in an absent-minded sort of way spin spin oh golden thread he dreams of me night and day the poppy's chalice is sweet and red oh love will find a way she was still humming it this morning when she came out of the back door ready to start a school and her thoughts were full of the play Joyce, she remarked critically, pausing to watch her sister put more wood on the campfire and poke the clothes in the boiler with the end of an old broom handle. You look like the witch in the play. On the fire, I'll pile my fagots higher and higher, and in the bubbling water, stir this hank of hair, this patch of fur, bubble and boil, and snakeskin coil. This charm shall all plants but the augurs foil. Joyce laughed and Mary, slipping through the bars, followed Holland across lots to school. I do feel like a witch in this old dress and sunbonnet, she said, and I must look like one. But no one ever comes here in the mornings but Phil, and he has had his orders to stay away on Mondays. What is the use of worrying about how you look? asked jack nobody expects a fellow to play chinese launderman with a high collar and kid gloves on soothing the tubful of clothes into the rinse water joyce went on vigorously with her morning's work she and jack relapsed into busy silence as the morning wore on and when the clock struck eleven neither had spoken for nearly an hour Suddenly a sound of wheels coming rapidly along the road and the child's high-pitched voice made them both stop and look up to listen aren't we getting back Woodsy joyce exclaimed as Jack shook the suds from his arms and ran to the corner of the kitchen to watch a buggy drive past so few people come out this desert road that it is really an event to see anyone I suppose we ought not to be blamed for staring it is hazel lee said jack i'm sure that's her voice there must be some new boarders at the ranch for there's a strange gentleman and a girl in the buggy with her and she's standing up in front pointing out the country to them joyce came and looked over his shoulder yes that's hazel she said she's the knowingest little thing i ever saw for a child of five you couldn't lose her anywhere around this region and she is as good as a guide book for giving information. Mr. Ellestad was laughing the other day about her disputing with a white bachelor over the market price of chickens. She was in the right, too, and proved it. She hears everything and never forgets anything she hears. She's saying something now to amuse those people mightily, said Jack, as a hearty laugh rang out above the rattle of wheels joyce transferred her gaze from the chubby bare-headed child leaning over the dashboard with eager gestures to the two strangers behind her then she grasped jack's elbow with a little cry of astonishment it's lloyd she gasped lloyd sherman and her father two days ahead of time what shall we do everything is in a mess and nothing in the house for dinner that instant hazel's bright eyes spied them her plump little fingers pointed them out and joyce had no more time to consider appearances for springing over the wheel lloyd came running toward her calling in the soft southern accent that was the sweetest music to joyce's ears oh you dear darling old thing what made you move away out to the edge of nowhere i thought we'd never never get here In the delight of seeing her again, Joyce forgot all about things being topsy-turvy, and how little there was in the house for dinner. She even forgot to introduce Jack, who stood awkwardly waiting in the background, till Mr. Sherman, amused at the girls' absorption in each other, stepped out of the buggy, and came forward laughing. "'It looks as if the two Jacks will have to introduce themselves,' he said, holding out his hand jack's awkwardness vanished instantly at this hearty greeting and a moment later he was shaking hands with lloyd as easily as joyce was welcoming lloyd's father folly indifferent to his outgrown overalls and rolled up shirt-sleeves in the meantime hazel who was a major general in her small way for comprehending situations had of her own accord raced off to find mrs ware and bring her to welcome the unexpected guests. And your Aunt Emily exclaimed Lloyd, turning with outstretched hands as the sweet faced little woman came toward them. Mother said you wouldn't mind if I called you that, because you and she have always been such dear friends. There were tears in Mrs. Ware's eyes as she returned the impulsive kiss she had expected to be fond of elizabeth's only daughter she had hoped to find her pretty and sweet but she had not looked for this winsomeness which had been the little colonel's greatest charm since babyhood with that greeting lloyd walked straight into her heart the surprise ended more satisfactorily than most surprises do for while jack was unhitching the horse and mrs ware was talking over old times with mr sherman she had known in her school days some one went whizzing around the house on a bicycle it's joe the japanese chef from the ranch said joyce springing up from the front doorstep where she sat with lloyd and starting back to the kitchen to ask his errand oh let me go too cried lloyd following i never saw a jap close enough to speak to lloyd could not understand the pigeon english with which he delivered a basket he had brought, but it was evidently a funny proceeding to Joe. He handed it over as if it had been a joke, doubling up like a jack-knife, as he pointed to the contents, and laughing so contagiously that Joyce and Lloyd could not help laughing too. "'He not velly nice pie, maybe,' jiggled Joe. "'But you eat him all the same. Miss Lee says you not looky for company. You not have nothing cook. Did mrs Lee tell you to bring the basket, Joe? asked Joyce. He shook his head. Miss Lee say take soup, pointing to the large glass jar of clearest consomme, smoking hot, which Joyce had just lifted from the basket. I ah, me bring along the pie for my compliment. She no care, she kind Christian lady. She certainly is, laughed Joyce. Now we can at least begin and end our dinner in style. That's a lovely pie, Joe. The prettiest I ever saw. The little almond eyes twinkled as he watched her hold up the dainty pastry with its snowy meringue for Lloyd to admire. "How e not very good pie?" protested Joe with a self-conscious smirk, knowing in his soul that it was the perfection of pastry, and eager to hear Joyce say so again. "I'll make a heap much better next a time." then with another laugh he whisked away on his wheel pausing under the pepper-trees to catch up hazel and take her home on his handlebars. joyce asked lloyd as she watched him disappear down the road did you uncork a bottle or rub aladdin's lamp i feel as if i had walked into the arabian nights to have a foreign-looking almond-eyed chef suddenly appear out of the desert with consomme and pie like a genie out of a bottle it doesn't happen every day laughed joyce i suppose that after you stopped at the ranch to inquire the way here and picked up hazel for a guide that it occurred to mrs lee that we were not looking for you until wednesday and that as this is our wash-day maybe we wouldn't have a very elaborate dinner prepared and she thought she would help us out in a neighbourly way joe enjoyed coming when we were at the ranch he was always making delicious little extra dishes for mamma. Oh, I hope our coming sooner than you expect it hasn't made a difference, exclaimed Lloyd. I never thought about your doing your own work. Mr Robson decided not to stop in New Mexico as long as he had planned, and when I found that would put us here two days sooner, I wouldn't let Papa Jack telegraph. I'm so sorry don't say another word about it interrupted joyce the only difference it makes is to you and your father you have not been received in quite such good style as if we'd been dressed in our best bibs and tuckers but maybe you'll feel more at home dropping right down in the middle of things this way lloyd felt as if she certainly had dropped down in the middle of things into a most intimate knowledge of the ware's family's affairs for as Joyce circled around setting the table, she saw that a pitcher of milk, bread and butter, and some cold boiled potatoes, sliced ready to fry, was all that the pantry held for dinner. If Joyce had spoken one word of apology, Lloyd would have felt exceedingly uncomfortable. But she only laughed as she put the consommé on the stove to keep hot and set out the pie plates on the sideboard. Lucky for you," she said. That the genie came out of his bottle we were spending all our energy in rushing through the laundry work so that we could make grand preparations for tomorrow but we couldn't have equal joe no matter how hard we tried while Joyce talking as fast as she worked fried the potatoes and sliced the bread Jack wrung out the last basketful of clothes and hung them on the line and then disappeared in his mother's tent to make himself presentable for dinner lloyd had already had a peep into the tent that she was to share with joyce and had called her father to come and have a laugh with her over the green-eyed gods of the dakotas which were to guard her slumbers during her visit to the wigwam he was to leave that same night and go on to the mines with mr robson and his party her trunk was brought out from town soon after dinner and while she partly unpacked it putting the things she would need oftenest into the bureau drawers that joyce had emptied for her jack and mr sherman drove away to look at the horses one of the neighbors kept to hire to tourists they came back later with a shaggy indian pony which lloyd at once mounted for a trial ride joyce went with her on washington as far as the white bachelors lloyd was not accustomed to a cross saddle or to guiding a horse by the pressure of the bridle reins against its neck so they rode slowly at first when they were almost opposite the camp at lee's ranch Joyce saw a familiar little figure trudging along the road and wished with sisterly solicitude that they could avert a meeting it was mary on her way home from school dusty and dishevelled as usual at such times one hair ribbon lost and the braid it had bound hanging loose and limp over her ear joyce was not near enough to see but she felt sure that her shoelaces were dangling that there was ink on her hands and maybe her face and that at least one button if not more had burst loose from the back of her dress she knew that the child would be overwhelmed with mortification if she should come face to face with the princess winsome in such a condition when she had set her heart upon appearing before her in her white dress and rosebud sash, before joyce could think of an excuse to turn back mary had settled the matter herself hazel had stopped her at the gate to tell her of the unexpected arrival so she was not fully unprepared for this sudden meeting darting up the high bank of the irrigating ditch like a little grey lizard She slid down on the other side into its dry bed, and crouched there till they passed. There had been no water running for several days, but it would have made no difference to Mary. She would have plunged in just the same, even if it had been neck-deep. She simply could not let the adored little colonel see her in such a plight. Joyce almost laughed aloud at the frantic haste in which she scuttled out of sight, but seeing that Lloyd had been too absorbed in guiding her pony to notice it, she said nothing, and delayed their return until she was sure that Mary was safe in her tent. So it was that when Lloyd went back to the wigwam, one member of the Ware family was arrayed in all her glory according to the original programme mary stood out under the pepper-trees washed combed and clad painfully conscious of her festive garments which had had so few occasions to be donned on the desert and in a quiver of eagerness it was not only lloyd sherman who was coming toward her up the road it was the little colonel the queen of hearts the princess winsome the heroine of a hundred familiar tales and the beautiful dream maiden around whom she had woven all she knew or imagined of romance. End of Chapter Seven. Read by Lars Rolander.